Thousands of people with great ideas are floundering trying to get their products to the market. What does it take for a physician with a great idea to succeed in product development? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Charles Epstein, Professor of Neurology at the Emory University School of Medicine. He is also Director of Operative Monitoring and the Founder and Director of the Laboratory for Magnetic Stimulation at Emory Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Epstein. It's good to be here, Mark. Today we are discussing the commercial development of a medical product. Dr. Epstein, clearly you were one of the pioneers and the innovators and developers of transcranial magnetic stimulation. Dr. Epstein, how did you come up with this idea? How did you develop it? And how did you bring it to market? Mark, in part, I was very lucky. I should clarify that I did not invent transcranial magnetic stimulation. This is something that people have actually been trying to do for many years, but the first person to make technology work and succeed was a very smart engineer in Sheffield, England, named Tony Barker. What I was lucky enough to be involved in is a couple of ways of making it far more efficient. TMS requires a lot of power. The original devices were about the size of a old-fashioned 27-inch TV, and they were heavier. And that size and weight reflected the enormous amount of electrical power required to do TMS. All that power makes heat. All that heat causes trouble because if you ran it for very long, it would either melt or you'd have to turn it off, which is where I got involved. I like to tinker with gadgets in the basement. I built my own magnetic stimulators, and it was very apparent that something should be done about the problem of enormous size and bulk and high power requirement and heat. Well, you're a physician. How did you know how to build something like this? I didn't know right away, but I was lucky to have a friend at Georgia Tech named Kent Davey who specialized in magnetic materials. And we were lucky to get some support from our universities to basically play around with different designs to change the electromagnetic coil on the head and make it more efficient. It probably took longer than we needed, but it was a lot of fun playing around with different designs and building them and finally getting something that seemed to work. Now, how was this different than what was currently available? We basically used iron to strengthen the magnetic field. If you're an engineer and work with electricity, it's trivial to use iron in, say, a transformer or an electrical generator, but 
These devices work at enormous magnetic field strengths. They have to operate very fast. And in fact, it was not at all trivial to come up with designs and materials that would help improve efficiency and cut down on the power requirement and the heat generation. Well, how did you finally come up with the final result? We fiddled. We designed things, we built them, we found they were good or bad in various ways, and we played. If there are any prospective inventors out there, I would say that it is vital to fiddle around. We doctors fiddle around much more than we would like to because sometimes the first treatment we give doesn't work, but we try something else. And inventing things is exactly like that. If it doesn't work, try something else. The more you have your hands on something, the more you work with it and think about it, the more likely you are to get it right. Did you have a lot of bumps in the road? Mostly bumps caused by our own preconceptions. And how did you get through that? We kept fiddling. We kept trying new things. Now... I've met a lot of doctors who invent things and are interested in getting them used and applied. And what you need is several things. Thinking about this, you need something that makes a substantial difference, not a small difference, not a 5% difference, for example. You need, as well, help in optimizing the benefits of what you're doing. And that help is both somebody who understands the patent process and somebody who is interested in building your device and selling it. And in universities, in medical schools now, most of us have an official office of technology transfer which is dedicated to fostering these processes. And they make life an awful lot easier. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Charles Epstein. Professor of Neurology at the Emory University School of Medicine. He is also Director of Operative Monitoring and the Founder and Director of the Laboratory for Magnetic Stimulation at Emory Hospital. Today we are discussing the commercial development of a medical product. Dr. Epstein, developing a medical product and everything involved with that process, does that interfere at all with your role as a clinician and in academia? It doesn't interfere at all with a doctor's role as a clinician. I think it's synergistic because it's as clinicians that we see problem areas and we can begin to imagine ways to address them. In academia, there is basically a schizophrenia about developing new inventions. On the one hand, 
there are offices of technology transfer which are dedicated to help patent devices and find commercial users for them and for which, in turn, the university commonly will take some proportion of the proceeds, which I think is fundamentally a very fair arrangement. But on the other hand are conflict of interest committees whose job is to make sure that any research we do is pure and is not contaminated by our incentive to make money from what we've invented. Certainly there are many cases in the past where science was contaminated by the temptation to make money from your own research and the consequent biases in what you published. I think both are necessary, but the conflict of interest people are slowly expanding their job to the point that it is, in fact, difficult to invent something and yet use it in your own research. Can you uh, share some of your personal experiences in this regard? My main personal experience is that much of my own research is done with competing devices rather than my own invention. Now, since you have been through much of this development and I'm sure learned a great deal, what advice would you give to others, other physicians in particular, who have an idea like you had an idea and want to develop it in a similar fashion? The advice is similar to what you would give an aspiring writer. They say, write what you know, and don't be afraid to revise it 20 times. Inventing is the same thing. Work with what you know best, get your hands dirty doing it, and don't be afraid to change it, revise it, and redo it. It should be something that makes a difference. The approach to an invention should be that you see a problem that cannot be solved by any existing technology or chemical and that you think you know how to approach. You should be willing to get your hands dirty working with it. And if you're in a university, an office of technology transfer can often help in making sure that the patent process is done right and in finding a commercial partner. In your development of the transcranial magnetic stimulation, has this now become a collaborative effort uh, among other researchers at other universities? Well, many people have worked independently on things like this. I was lucky starting out to have a collaborator at Georgia Tech who was very familiar with magnetic materials. I have always fiddled with electronics since my ham radio days in high school and was able to come up with a modification in the circuit that further improved efficiency by 100%. That was a function basically of getting my hands dirty, not of being an electrical engineer, which I'm not, but of looking at all the bits and pieces and playing with them and thinking about them and adjusting them over time and then getting the opportunity to sit down and build something. Now, when we first started speaking, you mentioned that transcranial magnetic stimulation 
is an experimental approach at this point, correct? In the United States, it is. Do you foresee this changing in the United States? I hope so. Uh, There is a company which licenses my inventions through Emory University and which does have an application for approval before the Food and Drug Administration right now. I want to thank Dr. Charles Epstein, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the commercial development of a medical product. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.